I think using logic versus emotion. So when everybody's, you know, getting to the stock market or everyone's getting into real estate, everybody kind of just joins that bandwagon and acting out of FOMO or emotion. Whereas you should be using your logic. Like what's the best, you know, where am I today? Where can I get there? Like everybody just wants a quick, let's make money tomorrow type of thing. But this is a process that takes time. Welcome to the Cashflow for Life podcast. We believe there are two types of people in this world. People that have greater cash flow coming in every single month or people who have cash flow going out. We believe you need to be the type of person that has cash flow coming in. And that is what this podcast is all about. Our mantra is simple. If you take care of real estate for the first five years, real estate will take care of you for the rest of your life. If you're looking to achieve financial freedom through real estate investing, you're in the right place. Andrew Holmes, a renowned expert in the field, is your guide on this journey. Andrew is the driving force behind National RE Invest, the largest real estate investors association in the United States. Together, we're here to help you build wealth and create more cash flow in your life. Let's get into the show. I'm thrilled to have Farah Ali joining me today. Her journey from a single mom grappling with $80,000 in debt to achieving certified multimillionaire status is truly remarkable. Farah shares her unexpected entry into the world of real estate back in 2014. It all began with the financial strain of pursuing an MBA and realizing the minimal financial return it offered. She dives into her personal journey of debt and the circumstances that propelled her towards exploring real estate as a means to financial freedom. We delve into how real estate became the corner stone of her wealth building strategy, constituting 90% of her research and efforts. Farah candidly opens up about the challenges she faced, dispelling misconceptions and recounting her shift from financial struggle to taking firm control of her life's trajectory. She sheds light on the pivotal elements that contributed to her success, emphasizing the importance of logical investment decisions, the relentless work ethic ingrained in her upbringing, and the role of faith and positivity in attaining financial independence. Together, we explore Farah's initial foray into real estate, the obstacles she encountered, and her transition from conventional rentals to the world of Airbnb, aiming for a substantial monthly net cash flow of $100,000. Our conversation also highlights Farah's invaluable insights, stressing the significance of determination, commitment to ethical practices, and steering clear of distractions and entitlement on the path to achieving financial aspirations. Tune in now and immerse yourself in this inspiring interview. How does somebody go from a single mom to being on the NASDAQ, which is uh, the book, and that is Diaries of a Female Investor? So here's the story, and I think this is going to be really, really exciting. So Farah, welcome to the studio. Thanks for having me. So Farah, I want to jump right into it. 2014 in June is when you got into real estate. So was this something that you had planned to save up a bunch of money? What was the set of circumstances that brought you into real estate? So it definitely wasn't planned. I accidentally jumped, uh, got into it. Um, I was actually in about $80,000 in debt. And I had um, accumulated that debt from uh, getting my MBA, thinking that I was going to get this massive salary increase. And it ended up being more like, you know, $5,000 a year. So 2014, and watch this timeline, guys. 2014, 80,000 in debt, single mom, two kids. At the time, they were what? Seven to nine, something like oh, that. Oh, seven to yeah. nine. Okay, young kids. And so 2014, two kids, young mom with 80,000 in debt and a job. And then today, 
a legitimately certified multimillionaire, right? And it's literally a journey from 2014, we're recording this in 2023, right? So nine years, what can happen? At the time you come in, so you spent $75,000, $80,000 to get your MBA. What was the pay raise that you got after you got your MBA? Uh, 15% increase. 15% increase. So at the time you were making $80,000. Around there, yes. So 15% increase. When people say that, sounds like a lot. But 15% of 80,000 bucks is you went up to maybe 90, 95,000 bucks. Sure. And then when taxes are cut, it ends up being just, you know, a handful, a couple of dollars every paycheck. Okay. Got it. So basically you spend, if you think about it from a rate of return point, right, that would not even be a two or 3% rate of return, right? uh, On your investment of 80,000 bucks. I'm not saying school is not good, but a lot of times this myth that, oh my God, you're going to go from under having a bachelor's to now having an MBA and suddenly you're going to have this pay raise. So was that the impetus that brought you to real estate? Absolutely. Because once I got that, um, I was like, this is not going to cut it. And so I started doing a bunch of research online. Like, how do these people become wealthy? I just didn't understand. So then once I started researching, real estate was 90% of the reason why people got successful was because of real estate. So I don't know about guys, I mean, about women, excuse me, I should say, but guys, if they're watching this, right, uh, you're an attractive woman and uh, you come from, what's your heritage? So, uh, my parents are from India, but I was born and raised in the U.S. Okay, got it. So you're uh, Indian uh, by heritage, yes. right? So why not marry a rich doctor? Uh, I just wanted to do something for myself. Uh, I mean, wh- you like to struggle or what's No, it wasn't about struggling. It was about being able to control my life, being able to control my choices, my decisions. Okay. And I'm asking this as a rhetorical question because a lot of times uh, some people would be like, well, I mean, you know, she's an attractive woman. So why even go through all of this? Was there something in your background that you can point to that brought you to a place where you're like, no, I'm, I have a point to prove I'm going to do this and I'm really going to make it happen? I don't think there was so much a point to prove, whereas more of my upbringing, my father was a really hard worker. So um, we kind of have that worth ethic. And my mom was very independent. So she never really asked people for favors or anything like that. So we grew up that way. So we wanted to always stand on our own feet. And all my sisters are the same way. So in your book, um, on uh, in the first chapter, as the book opens, you talk about in your car, looking around and sitting on the corner. Right. Actually, that uh, uh, it's uh, maybe a couple miles away from where we are. Can you describe to the audience what was that scenario that you were painting? Uh, Take us back to that moment before we move forward. That was the moment when I decided to um, finally separate and I was going to just leave. Um, However, my ex had or my husband at the time kind of figured out what was going on and was chasing my car to figure out where I was going. Got it. Is it because you were walking away from him with millions of dollars or what was the reason for him not wanting to let you go? No, I think it was more so because I was scared to tell him what I was going to do. So I thought I would just basically get myself out of the situation and then let him know. So was the contention over he had a lot of money and you wanted some? No, not at all. Um, We were not in a financially good place, but, you know, I wanted to finally do something for myself because I was supporting the household for several years. And anything that I ever made would just go into debt. And a lot of those decisions were not made by me. So, you know, I just had enough because I was married for about 10 years. Okay. So you're married for 10 years and some of the financial decisions that were made were not necessarily made in a very wise way, let's just say it that way. 
So let me ask you this, because your ex, right, had invested in real estate. Today, looking back at it, right, what happened, happened. So nobody's judging at this point. But today, looking back at it, what were the lessons learned that maybe at the time your spouse at the time did not realize, but today you can look back and say, oh, my God, this place, this place, this place, we went wrong. So if we dissect that, uh, what do you think those things were? I think using logic versus emotion. So when everybody's, you know, getting to the stock market or everyone's getting into real estate, everybody kind of just joins that bandwagon and acting out of FOMO or emotion, whereas you should be using your logic. Like, what's the best, you know, where am I today? Where can I get there? Like, everybody just wants a quick, you know, let's make money tomorrow type of thing. But this, this is a process that takes time. So that's kind of the difference between, like, if you look at the difference when I was in the marriage for 10 years, where we were financially when we first started off to where we were when I uh, divorced, right, well, was not heading in the right direction. But the the day that I made the decision to leave, from that day till today, because I had control over my own decisions, I was able to fast forward, have a multi-million dollar portfolio. So I want to kind of fast that uh, fast forward that today, right? I mean, kind of start moving it forward. So you show up 2014 uh, to a three day that I was doing, right? And uh, it's interesting because you show up there with another uh, friend of yours. And uh, um, at the time, you did not like me and you told me so, right? Was I not uh, like a good looking hunk uh, <laughs> or was it that uh, there was something I said that offended you? What was the problem? Or did I not know real estate? Well, the only reason I didn't like you was because sometimes, you know, when you're up on stage and you use words like idiot over and over again, I think that was probably what turned me off. But as far as your real estate knowledge, like I knew that you knew what you were doing. I could totally tell. So basically, uh, you did not appreciate uh, my words like idiot and uh, the person's stupid or one of those things, right? Yep. Okay, got it. All right. So now you put that aside. Yeah. Uh, and you ended up becoming a part of mastery, right? And at the time, if somebody looked at your um, kind of your uh, financial statement, right, um, a personal financial, uh, you know, PFS, they would say, oh, my God, you have 80000 in debt, right? Don't go and spend money joining, quote, unquote, a real estate mastery, coaching, whatever you want to call it, right? And in fact, one of the people, one of the consultants that sat down with you told you, Farah, why don't you go home, save some money, and then maybe six months from now, a year from now, you can take this and run with it. But uh, you decided to move forward. Why? There was something that I felt, um, because I know myself, and part of growing personal growth is knowing who you are as a person, right? So I knew that if I went back and tried to save money, that I was never going to end up joining because I would have taken that money and found something else to spend it on. Or, you know, life always gets in the way. I was pumped at the time, and I know I wanted to make that decision, and I was just going to figure it out somehow. So you had never known me before, right? Right. This is uh, for three days. You're sitting in the audience. You're absorbing. And there's a lot of information being thrown at you, right? Was there ever a doubt? Because today, right, you act uh, totally confident. Right. You don't nobody would realize that at some point you started out as a brand new investor, like everybody else. Right. 
so at the time, was there this doubt that, oh my God, is this guy telling me the truth? Is this possible for me? Does it only work for other people? Uh, did you go through that phase of self-doubt, self-pity, uh, all the you know anxiousness, fear? Uh, I would say some doubt because, uh, you know, when you don't know somebody and you're like jumping in and making a decision to spend, you know, a certain amount of money, and it's not cheap. You're like, OK, well, this really worked for me. Yes, I did have that. But at the same time, because I felt you have done it over and over and over again and that you were willing to guide um, everybody. I mean, I felt like I just, the missing piece was me. Like, if you do your part, I know 110% I'm going to do my part. Okay. And you can say that with conviction. I can completely say that because that's who I am as a person. That's what I did when I was working at corporate. I would do my part and I got, you know, within a five-year period, I got five promotions. Got it. Okay. So you felt that that was something you were willing to put in your part. And now, is there a faith? uh, Does your faith play into this a little bit? You feel? Yeah, absolutely. I think that has a lot to do with it because faith is something that is, you know, in the positive realm, right? And when you're thinking positive, then you your momentum is building in that direction. Right. You know, they say the, you can't put a good person down because over time they keep doing the right things. They're going to win, period. Absolutely. Right. Uh, so let's fast forward. You come, you end up coming to mastery. Right. And a lot of times the first thing we always say is, hey, you got to understand, number one, you got to understand your LPN, which is your lifestyle property number. Number two, it's your area selection. Number three, it's property selection. Number four, it's uh, understanding um, the numbers. Right. And number uh, four is finance. Number five is, say, financing. So in that, when I said, "Okay, you got to do your LPN. So for the audience, can you explain what exactly is LPN? So the lifestyle property number, that's basically how much cash flow, passive income you need to uh, take care of your day-to-day expenses. Day-to-day expenses. Okay. So what was that number for you at that time? Do you remember? I remember it being 5000 a month. That was like the bare minimum that I needed that I felt where I could not like retire from corporate, but at least feel pretty secure and safe. Got it. So $5,000 a month, would you'd be in a place where you're like, wow, I have this coming in in terms of cash flow every single month. Right. Right. So that is about $60,000 a year. Yes. Right? So the car you drive today is worth more than $60,000 a year. Yes, because my lifestyle property number keeps changing every year. Okay. So it went up. Yes. So the, the reason I ask that is because today, right, you started at five five $5,000. So to get to that point, right, because we're talking about a uh, nine-year journey here so far, right? From 2014, middle of, uh, from June of 2014. And as we record this, it is literally May, June, right? Yeah. Of uh, 2023. So it's right. nine years from the time you started. So in that time, in your first year, how many properties did you have in your first year? In my first year, I had one. One house. Okay, yes. got it. So you had one house in your first year. Now, today, you know, there are people that come to mastery that have 10, 15, 20 in a matter of a year and a half, two, right? I mean, today, the scale of growth is just unbelievable, right? But at that time, one property was a massive accomplishment, right? So how did you find your property, the first one? The first one I found, um, it was an auction. Auction property. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, did you have the money? No. So how did you get the money? I got the money from a private lender. Private money lender and mastery. Okay. So you borrowed the money within a mastery from a private money lender. Yes. And did your first deal. Yes. Okay. And it was hard because 
you had at the time that property was bought for what seventy something seventy five thousand seventy five thousand. Yes. How much in rehab? About twenty. Twenty. Okay, so seventy five. So you're all in somewhere around a hundred. Yes. Okay. Now at that point, you basically did the buy the property, rehab the property, rent the property, refinance the property. Yes. Now when you did the refinance, there was a little bit of money that was stuck in the property, correct? Yes, there was not because there wasn't enough equity, but there was something that I had missed on my end to submit. So yes, there was a little bit of money stuck in that one. Okay, got it. Now that same property today, it's nine years. Yes. Same property today. What do you think that property is worth? 250, 260. Minimum. Yes. That's a minimum. Yes. That's what it's yes. worth. Right. And the loan probably on it is somewhere around hundred thousand dollars. Yes. If not less. Mm-hmm. Right. So a lot of times people don't understand that now. So for year two, how many properties did you have? Year number two, um, I found my uh, second one and then I had another two. Another two. Yes. Okay. So basically they were in the works. Yes. Okay. So basically for your first two years in real estate, you had one property that you owned, you found another one and you were working on a couple more properties. Correct. Okay. So basically about three or four properties in two years. Yes. Now, by any standard way of looking at it, that was success, right? Yes. At that point. So how long did it take you to really get to a point where you had $5,000 net coming in every single month? I would say probably year number three. Year number End three? End of three, yeah. End of three, you were already at $5,000? Yes, because okay. year three is when I started to, I, went, I think I did six or seven that year. Okay, got it. So yes. you basically took you about three years to get to a point where you were somewhere around 5000 mm-hmm. Got it. Mm-hmm. Now, at this point, you have 5000 coming in every single month. You're still, um, you, you still kept your job. Yes. Um, you have two kids you're raising and you're doing real estate. Yes. So have you figured out a way how to create more than 24 hours in a day? No, I haven't. I just prioritize my time. Okay. So basically, this was purely, and you had a full-time demanding job. Yes. This is not yes, like... Yes, completely demanding. Completely demanding. Yes. Okay. So this is not like you're basically working part-time, that sort of thing. Nope. Okay. So why not quit and go into real estate full-time? Because, you know, uh, I'm against people quitting their jobs early, right? right? Unless they have at least double, if not three times what they make, they should not be quitting as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I'm so glad that you gave me that advice because I think most people would get excited after their fifth or sixth property and be like, oh, I got this. I'm just going to quit. I didn't because of the stability, right? It's that consistent income coming in. I did not want to use my cash flow to live off of. I had the kids to support. I had health insurance. So there are a lot of factors I think people don't think of. Again, it's about not making emotional decisions. It's about logic. Got it. Are you enjoying the show thus far? You know what they say, knowledge is not power, but rather it's the application of knowledge that is power. That's why we are excited to announce the new dates for our Build Your Empire three-day conference and property tour. At this game-changing event, you'll discover how to build lasting wealth with real estate, learn step-by-step methods, avoid common mistakes, and get insights from dozens of real estate and financial experts. If you are listening to the podcast, you know that real estate is a team sport, and we're here to introduce you to the local pros who can help you every step of the way. This event is your opportunity to walk through active real estate deals in Chicago and nearby neighborhoods. And the best part is, you can either attend live or virtually. Go to andrewhomesevents.com and get your early bird tickets now. At the event, 
you'll see properties being transformed into flips, rentals, or wholesale properties, giving you a rare and valuable learning experience outside the classroom. Meet and learn from successful students who've profited from our mentorship. Hear their stories and struggles, and discover how you can follow in their footsteps, regardless of your background or experience. And so much more. We also have a VIP package that will give you access to our exclusive networking sessions and an opportunity to connect and meet with Andrew himself. Plus, we even give you a hot lunch all of the days you are there. For more information and to secure your spot, visit andrewhomesevents.com. We sell out every time, so don't miss this opportunity to transform your real estate career. We will see you at our next event. And now, back to the show. So basically, you kind of kept your full-time job, right? And this is something important for everybody that's listening. As you want to be a multimillionaire, keep your full-time job. Build on the side. Once you have way more than you ever think that even if the market goes wrong, something happens, then gradually you taper off and then you quit, right? Because your kind of uh, example is exactly that, right? So at what point did you think that, okay, I'm going to get to 10,000 and then I'm going to stop? Or what was that point where you're like, oh my God, I'm actually a successful real estate investor. What was that point? I think it was when I was able to retire. I think it, when I got to 40 properties. Is, 40 properties. Yes. Okay, got it. So all this time, did you have a lot of uh, your family members cheering you on? Oh my God, yay for all, you should do this. And this is great. Or were they saying, hey, what are you doing? Um, you know, you're single, you have two kids, get married. Culturally, was uh, the path you took, was that acceptable? Culturally, if you ask my parents, they probably would have wanted me to just get married. Um, you know, my mom's like, you already have a good job. You know, you can just settle down and, you know, don't make life so difficult for yourself. Because in our culture, doing what I'm doing is a lot of work, right? Like have somebody take care of you instead. Got it. Okay. And um, so you kind of were a little different. What was, uh, and I know for the longest time, right, you hid the amount of properties. You didn't want to be on Facebook, right? Uh, every time you'd be, uh, we would do kind of a video or whatever, right? You basically wanted to uh, wear a disguise, right? Yes. Right. Yes. What was the reason for that? I just didn't want anybody really knowing my personal business until, you know, I, like I knew it was working. But all that noise that people start talking about, you know, like people probably go to my parents and saying, hey, you know, she, see, she's doing this. Why don't you just have her get married? Like, she's never going to find time to find a suitable husband, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I didn't want any of that uh, noise to get in my way. Got it. So it was basically you. And was there a place where you were like, oh, my God, I don't want people, the negativity uh, or the talk in the background, which I mean, culturally. Right. Uh, people go to your mom. Oh, my God, look what your daughter is doing. She's not uh, you know, getting married because that happens. Sometimes our culture where we came, come from, the it has a lot of good things. But then on the other side, it has its negatives also. Was that also playing a, a little bit in the yeah, background? Yes, it did. And I think also when people think of investing or something in real estate, they automatically think, oh, it's not going to work. And it's risky. Exactly. So that's mainly the reason. Got it. So. You kind of keep buying properties and you're doing all these properties as cash flow properties, meaning long-term rental properties. Yes. So what was the switch when you started doing some flips and you started doing some wholesales? What happened? So flips uh, I started doing because um, I started investing in Florida 
And so with the new construction, so with new construction, you need to be able to have some capital. So I, instead of just growing up my portfolio and continuing to grow it, I did some flips to get that capital. Okay. But I want to kind of go back a little bit. I want to go back okay. before that, right? You started doing flips maybe year two or three, if I remember correctly, where you did a few flips. I did a few, yes, in 2016. So when I did my first flip. What was the reason for that? Because I had got let go of my job. Okay. So you lost your job. I lost my job. Yes. Okay. So you lost your job and then you used a flip instead of keeping that property, you used a flip to temporarily, basically until you found another job, uh, that sort of thing. So that was kind of a bridge for that because you did not want to spend your cash flow. Exactly. Got it. All yes. right. So, and then you go back and get a job and now this job is not five minutes away. This job is clear downtown Chicago. So yes. you're taking a train at least an hour there, an hour back. Train, yes, 45 minutes to get there. Then it was a 25-minute walk because it was in the River North area. So I had to 25 minutes there, walk 25 minutes back. So by the time I would get home, it would be about 7.30. Okay, and you're still doing real estate. And I'm still doing real estate. Got it. So basically, I mean, this is commitment, right? And on weekends, on... So would you say that some people will say, you know, for a... Uh, you have to enjoy life a little bit. Um, you got to take some vacations because therefore, a matter of three or four years, right? Literally five years, um, there was no vacation. There was no nothing. It was eat, breathe and sleep uh, besides your job and take care of kids. It was real estate. It was. I mean, I would visit family from time to time. So, you know, but it was not like those elaborate vacations where you spend like $10,000 on a vacation. But I would, you know, go here and there to visit family. But it was all about real estate because I knew that if I put in the time today, that it would pay off in the future. So why is it you think that most people don't understand that? Because everybody wants to, uh, you know, hit a button today and basically be, a in, especially today, right? Be an Insta Instagram celebrity, make money, do YouTube. And people think that's easy, right? And same thing with real estate, right? People want to do two flips and be basically rolling in dough. Is that reality? Not at all. You need to have passive income because if you whether you do Instagram or you become a celebrity or you do flips, you're constantly working. Uh, the difference is that with passive income, you're not trading your time for dollars. Therefore, you have all this time now freed up to do whatever you choose to do. So uh, what I noticed is that you started with the uh, cash flow properties, then you did some flips. And then you did there in the middle a whole bunch of uh, wholesales, right? Yes. You don't have a real estate license, right? You don't work in real estate full time. And you were doing wholesales. And here's the key. You were doing wholesales at properties that were all MLS properties, right? And how many wholesales would you say you've done thus far? So I did a bunch of wholesales before uh, they made it mandatory to have a license. Sure. But I, I would say I've done between 25 and 30. 25 and 30. Yes. Right. And how much money would you say you spent marketing dollars to do those wholesales? Zero. Zero. And you say that very quickly. Yes. Right? Zero. Okay. Where did you find those le uh, leads and deal? Most of them were all, I mean, I would say 95% of them were all on the MLS. Okay. They're yeah. all on the MLS. You're taking yes. an MLS property, getting it into a contract, wholesaling it. And basically, I mean, you le legitimately made $354,000 doing wholesales. Yes. Right. Yes. Doing wholesales. Right. People don't make that in a career. But, uh, but, you know, that's besides the point. So who were your buyers that you were selling to? They were actually investors in mastery. Right. So you're taking 
properties that are on the MLS, and this is important for everybody to pay attention to. Guys, a lot of times your buyers are right under your nose. You just don't know it. I mean, today in Mastery, we have about 1,300 people, right, that own over 20,000 properties. And uh, the beauty of that is that if they're not going to do the work, you are happy to take these properties, get them under contract, and just go ahead and wholesale it to somebody that's within Mastery. And they're happy to pay ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 on a wholesale to you. Yes, absolutely. So now that did something for you, which was interesting. Because initially, I'll go back to LPN a little bit. When we started the LPN that, you know, a lot of times I've shown that at the three-day. My plan for you was, for all, it's going to take six years for you to build up. And then it's going to take six years for you to pay off, which is a total of 12 years. Because the goal at that time was $20,000 in income net every single month, right? And properties that are paid off. Now, you've done it a little differently and you're... Cash flow is way more than twenty thousand bucks today. Yes. Right. But uh, and you've been able to shorten the process, obviously. Right. So, um, but I noticed you did not take your rental income to pay off your school debt. Where did you pay off the school debt from? From those wholesales that I did. Okay. Yes. So from the from the wholesales yes. that you did. And I want to kind of get into one more piece, which is a lot of times most real estate people and a lot of times people teach this, you know, Rich Dad, uh, Robert Kiyosaki talks about it. A lot of people talk about, oh, saving is bad, right? And uh, you should never save. You just borrow as much money as you can. Guys, I understand, right? That type of talk sells a lot of stuff because it's basically you're pushing the edge. There's nothing wrong with that, right? You should uh, take a lot of loans. The more loans you take as a uh, real investor, right? The better leverage you have, the more returns you're gonna make if you know what you're doing. But you have to think about it from this perspective. This is my personal perspective, and I think you live by that, which is your personal home, all right? You should have that paid down. You should not have a lot of debt on that. You should have a few properties that are paid off, if not have very, very low debt on it and put a line of credit behind it if you need to. But you should have a few properties paid off. Now, beyond that, you do whatever you want. Once you have 10 or 12 coming in every single month and that is solid, anything else is all gravy. Do you live that uh, in your own life? Uh, I'm yes and no. It's one of my plans, but I haven't paid off any properties yet. But you're working towards it. But I'm working towards it, yes. So why? Explain the thought process from your perspective. It's just less stressful um, knowing that you have all this debt. Okay. So, and I know one of your plans was to pay off your personal residence. Yes. Okay. So is it for the same thing that just have some stuff put aside that's 100% safe? Yes. Okay. So, and this is an important uh, thought process that you have to understand. Like even for, so today, how many properties do you have? I think like 51, 52. That doesn't include any of the Florida properties. Florida, Okay. So let's put Florida aside for now. So 51. Now today you're doing a lot of Airbnbs, Mm -hmm. right? Boring everyday bread and butter property Airbnbs. You haven't bought any exotic Airbnbs, right? Meaning in a big hot vacation spot, you're just doing boring stuff. So number one, why are you doing Airbnbs uh, now? And you switch the formula a little bit and not doing as many regular rentals. So Airbnbs, I'm doing them uh, more so in A areas. And uh, with that, I've tried my first one and I was getting like five times the net cash flow I was with a regular long-term rental. So regular long-term rental, you get anywhere from five to $600 net every single month. Yes. Okay. And on an Airbnb, you're getting 2500 or so net every single month after all expenses. Absolutely correct. Got it. So basically, and then how many Airbnbs do you have right now? 
Right now I have seven up and running, um, working on the eighth, and then there's three more in the works. Okay, got it. And is there that you want 100 of these, 200 of these? What's the plan for you? No, I just want, um, so between my long-term and my Airbnbs, I want $100,000 net cash flow a month. $100,000 net cash flow. Yeah, that's my goal. Right, that's your goal. Okay, so you you do realize that's a far-fetched goal compared to where you were at $5,000. I mean, are you that greedy? No, I just find more things to spend money on. Okay, got it. All right, okay. So basically, and obviously, I'm uh, kind of teasing her with that. But and today, and that is really possible, one hundred percent. Yes, absolutely. I'm already halfway there. Okay, got it. So you're already halfway there. Yes. You realize that when you have four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars, and this is something that I had said to you many, many times. I'm like, Farah, you realize that there are people who are worth ten, fifteen million dollars, twenty million dollars that don't have that kind of cash flow every single year, right? right. You realize that today, right? And so you're not just a multimillionaire, you're like a certified, right? We could pay, maybe put a certification <laughs> on it because there are very few people that own that many assets and today is the poorest you're ever gonna be because guess what happens tomorrow? The debt is a little bit less, properties are a little bit worth more. Day after, exact same thing, day after, day after, day after. And I mean, you're gonna have some rich kids. Well. Yes. You want to adopt me, maybe uh, in your, uh, you know, I'm just kidding, right? So today you already are at 50 properties, right? You have obviously cash flow in excess of $35,000, $40,000, right? Yes. So what's next for you? Because obviously now, uh, what was the plan with building in Florida? Building in Flor- Florida was pretty much the same concept, long-term rentals. They're brand new construction, so, so there's hopefully no issues for a while and then uh, eventually paying them off doing some Airbnbs as well. So today, you uh, once you quit your job, you quit your second job that you had, the job you yes. went to, yes. you quit that, and then you basically came on as a CEO uh, for uh, Mastery, yes. right? for uh, Andrew Holmes Events and the whole thing. So, uh, and you get to work with a lot of people today, right? And a lot of people, oh my God, you know, for so many properties, right? And you write the book, the book becomes a bestseller, the whole nine yards. Right. So today, now looking back, right, what do you think? What were some of the characteristics that you feel made you successful? If I had to point at a couple of things, one would be um, a dr- the drive, mm-hmm. always having a drive and then doing the right thing. OK, so a drive and the right thing. See, I, I agree with those two, but I think uh, also I would add a third, which is really, really uh, important, and that is a clear mind and being able to think through a step-by-step process and then just pure follow through, right? That is one thing that if I've learned something from you is that the number one belief that you have in yourself that if you do the right thing, the right things are going to happen. Yes. Right. I don't know where you got that. I mean, that's something that I have adopted, uh, but I genuinely, genuinely feel that, I mean, absolutely you need a drive. You absolutely will follow through. But I think for a lot of people, what they don't have is they don't have an ability to be able to think about step one, then step two, then step three and step four and be able to execute on that. And not only are you able to execute, you're able to go back and say, you know, step one, we can do better. Step two, we can do better. Step three, we can do better. Why do you think a lot of times people want to reinvent that? Because we see that in mastery all the time where people come, oh, my God, this is great. 
I'm going to follow everything. And then they go start tweaking it their way and then they fall flat on their face. Why do you think that happens? I think people, like you said, try to reinvent the wheel because they think that they can do it better. Right. And uh, you've always said, try it our way first, succeed at that, and then and try it, then go back and try it your way because then even if you screw up, it doesn't matter at that point. You've already established yourself. And we all screw up, right? I have tried it even when personally I don't follow the basic set of guidelines we have for mastery. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to make an exception here every single time, right? It comes back to bite you because it's like the law of gravity, right? It doesn't matter who you are. At the end of the day, if you defy basic rules, basic laws of nature, you're going to fail. It's just a matter of when, right? Yes. So now what do you feel uh, is the other factor that uh, makes when people struggle with real estate? right? When the results are not what they should be, what do you see in mastery? Because now you've had a chance to see thousands of people, right? Come through mastery. What do you think when people fail, what are those common denominators? I would say the first is attitude. Is number one is attitude. It's attitude. Yeah. Like I would say that's 80% of it, honestly. And the other is distraction. They have a lot of distractions. Yes. Okay. Got it. And then um, how about that life owes them something? The entitlement? Uh, Yes. I mean, I guess if they're joining a program, they some of them expect not to do any work and that things should just be handed over to them. That is magic. Yes. Right? You're not going to do your part. Yes. Right? It's like I have tried that with uh, some gyms. Right. I joined two or three of them at the same time. And I'm hoping that just because I joined the gym, it's suddenly I look like Hercules. Right. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way physically. It doesn't that work that way in business. You have to do your part. Correct. So. Anything else? Um, we didn't get in the real estate side of it a lot. We kind of went behind, uh, kind of behind the scene, the background, what happened, because a lot of times real estate is real estate at the end of the day, right? Anything that I missed that you want to touch on? Uh, basically, I just want to say that, you know, this could pr pretty much work for anyone. Um, I did it working full time. I did it without any, you know, um, tons of money in the bank or anything like that. As a no, single no, no, mom. Not, hold on, no, not tons of money. No, no money. No money. Yeah. No money. Let's yeah. correct this, right? Correct. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and I did it with, um, you know, having two kids to support on my own. So having all of those challenges, it doesn't really, yes, they're challenges, but you can totally overcome any of them. And guys, this is important to understand. Think about this, right? Even if Farah had stopped at, say, four properties or five properties, six properties, whatever it is, one property. Right? But if she has one good property that she did not before she ended up with mastery, that same property that was bought for $70,000, fixed for about $20,000 today, is worth about $270,000, $280,000 today. Right? And the tenant, is the same tenant still there? It's the there? same tenant from nine years ago. From nine years Eight, ago, yes. the same tenant. And I actually rented that property for you, just FYI. Right. So uh, I just want to be on the record. But, uh, yeah, you I'm ran thinking, over there for, for a particular reason. No, so Faraz's claim is this, because this woman supposedly, quote unquote, was attractive. Hence, I ran over there. Yes, right? because this I already scheduled I already scheduled to meet with her. And then he just interjected after seeing her driver's license. This is OK. Let's, this is supposed to be my podcast. So uh, <laughs> I'm supposed to be put at the podium here. So anyways, <laughs> my point being is that. At the end of the day, right, that one property is going to be worth because it's going to get paid off. Yes. Right? And if you had never bought anything more, by the time all this is said and done, it's going to be worth three, four hundred thousand dollars minimum. 
That's just how it is. And it's purely because you've just kept that property, right? That tenant is going uh, to work, is running on her treadmill to, guess what, pay off your property. And that yes. is the beauty of real estate. So guys, it's all about uh, cashflow.com is the website. Make sure you go there. If you have not already purchased Faraz's book, it's available on Amazon. It's Diaries of a Female Investor. And I honestly uh, can say this 100%. It's one of the best books in real estate that is written. Why? Because the beauty of this is most of the times you don't know who the author is. Here, she has the first five properties with addresses and exact people. And what that does is it shows you what is possible, right? Here's, I mean, literally an example of somebody starts with nothing in nine years. What she has accomplished is absolutely, absolutely uh, incredible. Having said that, Farah, thank you so much. Genuinely, from my end, congratulations uh, for all the success. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Cashflow for Life podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on your chosen platform that you are listening to us on. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with your friends. Achieving financial freedom is all about creating the necessary cash flow in your life. Our team has designed an entire ecosystem for you to be able to not only become a successful real estate investor, but for you to build higher cash flows month after month. Join our community at www.nationalreinvest.com to see which event is coming up that you can be a part of and how you can be a part of our community. Once again, it's www.nationalreinvest.com. We will see you on the next episode.